Welcome to Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. I'm your host, Chad Rusecka. And in this episode, I'm joined by Jay Kent, Managing Director at SLB Performance. Jay, it's a pleasure to have you on this afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Chad. Great to be here. Very excited to spend some time with you. Likewise. But uh, I guess maybe before we we dig in, I think our listeners would uh, love to hear about your professional history and a little bit uh, background of just how you ended up here today. Terrific. So I started off actually in the store operations group, spent some time in store operations, and then uh, asked about different opportunities. So they was asked, when, this was when I was at Kohl's department store. That was the first of three times I was there, quite frankly. And so they asked me to move into the personnel or HR role. And at the time, we were opening our first distribution center for Kohl's and moving from a back of the store to uh, the big 250,000 square foot building, which seemed ironic at the time. But uh, so moved into the operation side and then also went into the HR side. And then really from that, really got very involved in really understanding the customer and working with the staff. So for me as an HR person, I really want to understand what happened and what ticked. So uh, after working for Kohl's, I had an opportunity to work for another startup corporation and grew the company from basically zero to about $250 million and then uh, worked for other turnaround companies, worked for Linens and Things, GNC, Tiger Direct, Pet Value, and really had the role of chief supply chain officer and manufacturing officer for a number of years. And uh, quite frankly, after having a run of training your boss, six different bosses in seven years, decided to uh, no longer train CEOs and help other companies save money and improve their supply chain. So that's how I came pretty much full circle out of uh, retail into consulting. Well, it all lends itself to a pretty uh, packed 30-minute conversation for our listeners, that's for sure. Impressive background, Jay. Uh, so you've been on the shipper side. You've been, obviously, on the consulting side here with the business. You've seen a lot of fulfillment operations in your days. How would you kind of characterize some of the uh, the mistakes that fulfillment in the B2C space make today? Yeah, I, I think probably the biggest mistake that's out there, again, based upon what size company you are, is trying to emulate and do something that you're not. So there's a number of other companies out there, Amazon, et cetera, who have different focus, okay, and they have a different cost structure. And what I find too often is companies are trying to emulate and trying to do something that really doesn't fit within their company's P&L, doesn't really fit into the company culture. And so I think you got to stay true to your customer, first of all, and make sure that whatever is mantra from a logistics side, you support that. Okay, it's great to be creative, but you also need to make sure you're helping your customer first of all. I couldn't agree more. Do you, do you think shippers make the mistakes of trying to share KPIs as well? Is that a consistent issue that you find? Yeah, it, it, it is. Sometimes people will talk about logistics costs as a percent of sales. And again, mm-hmm. if you're shipping diamonds versus $2 items, it's a big change, okay? And so I think, you know, KPIs are terrific. And I would say that you have to have your own KPIs. The best measure 
from my side is really to make sure you're measuring against yourself. Too often logistics people, myself in the past, I would say was guilty of it as well, try to measure a hundred different things. Well, the reality is you need to measure five to six things each week against yourself. Look at it versus last week, last quarter, last year. And that's really the best way of measuring as opposed to trying to read something in a magazine and then becoming laser focused where you really don't have the content around it. Are there any type of B2C measurements or metrics that are common? Yeah, I, again, I, I still think you know logistics at percent of sales is something you yeah. should measure internally. I, I think time to serve the customer, okay? And not only you know once it's fulfilled, but once it actually gets delivered. The other thing you need to measure is what is your fill rate? Too often companies talk about, oh, the DC did a great job. Well, if you're only shipping at 90%, that's all the customer really sees. So it's great to be at 99.5% accurate, but if you're missing the big picture of not having a product that your customer is looking for, that's a huge, huge opportunity. So I, I know you have a lot of experience in the Power BI space. At Amware, we're into that as well. We've really taken that to heart. It's it's a daily, you know, it's a daily tool that we drill down in, into the business. Can you provide any examples where you implemented that? What kind of the uh, you know the outcomes have been success stories? Yeah, I think the the best thing about BI is it allows you to have one version of the truth. Okay, and so too often my staff used to be running around trying to come up with what are the metrics, okay? And how, how do we measure it? And the reality is with a very powerful BI, you're gonna have one version of the truth. Each department's going to use something differently. So whether it's the finance team versus the customer service to the operations team, by having that one version, that's going to be key because you have one version of the truth. Two is you really need to be able to have a BI system that is robust enough so from a service side, you're making some of those decisions up front, where to ship, who to ship with, what is the transit delays that may be coming out of certain designations. So if you have a very powerful BI tool, what I've really seen becomes more of an enabler for the supply chain versus just a measuring tool afterwards, okay? Other things that I would tell you that will happen with a good BI tool, you, you will have the tools in, in place so that you can be more predictive and it's not just reacting. So what I've seen from a good BI is where you're able to measure every aspect of what you do and then get alerts. So it, it's not important that you have all the different measurements. It's important that you know something goes different and you have different alerts set up so that if there is something that's unusual, it's going to create huge issues. You have an alert through the BI system that is then going to alert you and the rest of your staff. So I, again, those are some different examples I'd say from a BI standpoint, but it's probably changed the industry in the last five to 10 years tenfold by just having much better information at your fingertips. Are, are there any examples that stick out from a customer perspective that have gone through the Power BI implementation and journey that you know, you've just seen improvement as a result of looking at those metrics the way that you just described? 
Yeah, absolutely. There's a number of my customers who will look at and have better visibility. And so from a service side, from a customer standpoint of feedback that they'll get, it's both on the accuracy as well as service. And so I would tell you that there's a number, and every company uses it differently, okay? There's not a one size that fits all. I think the importance is what it, what makes the biggest difference for you and your customer. And again, for me, BI is so much about service and accuracy as well as costs and identifying predictive costs. So I know that so many of my customers in the past used to be challenged by accruals, okay? And based on how some of the small parcel carriers deliver things, it's more of a history report. But now there's so many good tools out there so that it's no longer a guess, okay? And month end, quarter end does not have to be uh, as challenging as, as it was. So when we when we stood it up, it's still a process. I think we, we tend to, to look at it. It's live. It's connected into the uh, to the ADP and into the to the systems, but I think we probably use it and depend on friends and performance trends and volume trends and um, slices. You know, it slices it really really clean, but it's still kind of a look back. Do you use Power BI in a like a live environment as well? Yes, yes. Some of my clients are using it from a service side, making decisions or so looking at the ecosystem of what's actually happening out there. And so really at the shopping cart, being able to look out and say, okay, based upon service levels of XYZ, I don't want to fill in the names, but we all know who they are. Okay, out of say New York going to LA, we need to use X versus Y. So I would say that some of my clients are able to do that upfront so that then it's not as reactive and you know it, it really will make those right decisions. Again, to your point, I don't know any company that would say I have all my metric and I have all my BI completely resolved. Okay, because the great part about logistics is we're all trying to better. You know, logistics and supply chain is very quantifiable, and so that's the good news. The bad news is sometimes we have a tendency, as I mentioned before, of focusing on too many different things. So from my standpoint, my guidance, both as in my past as a chief supply chain officer and now as a consultant is let's measure and let's focus on what is important. You don't need a hundred different metrics on that. Focus on the customer and the cost. In my mind, those are the two main things. And obviously you have to have your accuracy as well. So to answer your question, yes, there's companies that are using them proactively and not just as a history lesson. But yeah, so your advice though is to really use it selectively and not overburdening this right. Power BI where where it takes uh, hours to just get through the data where you're not going to use what sits inside of it. Right, and then with that is I think again even as an operator, you know, I always wanted to make sure let's focus on those exception management as opposed to everything else. Okay, because whether it's ad goods that someone's running, whether in a B2C promotion that there's something that is unusual that is happening, focus on what matters as opposed to some of the noise. Do you provide access to Power BI to customers? So like when you were at Kohl's or one of the other organizations, I don't know if you had Power BI up at that point, but did you ever provide it outside of your immediate team? 
Yes. So, I mean, within the company, yes. Okay. So that we, we shared some of those analytics with other members. So in some cases it would be customer service. Sometimes it would be finance. Sometimes it would be the merchants. It really depends, you know, and then quite frankly, sometimes it would be with our 3PL partners and making sure, because again, at the end of the day, they're an extension of what we do. So the more ingrained that they can be with you and everyone's off of the same page, that's going to be the most beneficial for everybody. Let's kind of shift gears for a second. I'm just curious, speaking of the 3PL, so you work with companies who are looking to evaluate, one, if they want to pursue a fulfillment partner, and then two, I'm assuming that you provide some framework as to what things that they should be looking for to determine or the criteria to determine other than price before they make that decision. What are the things that you find yourself recommending that criteria to be aside from cost? Yeah. Again, cost is always going to be a factor. However, if you're aligned with someone strictly on cost, sometimes that's the fastest way to having a very poor service. So in addition to price, it's going to be accuracy. Okay. It's going to be service. It's going to be what additional value added services are important to your customer and are they able to fulfill? The other thing from my standpoint is making sure that you can get at your data. So my advice to most of my customers is that shipping is something they should continue to control themselves. So typically in the 3PL world, that is the largest area of profitability for a 3PL. And so for a customer who is considering a 3PL, my advice is to make sure that they're breaking that out. That way they have their control their own destiny relative to information, technology, service, and ongoing price. Because again, transportation service is typically the largest line item for most B2C customers. You know, I know we spend an awful lot of time inside of Amware evaluating and trying to get the, you know, the right zones and weight breaks and, and service providers and trying to drive uh, volume to get the best discounts. But on the parcel side, how do you recommend getting costs down on the shipping side? So typically what happens is that throughout my career, okay, I've always aligned with what I would say subject matter experts who do this for a living who spend all of their time living and breathing small parcel for B2C. And if you align with somebody who is familiar globally, okay, and domestically, they're going to be able to bring additional expertise, software, proprietary things that typically as a normal shipper, you just don't have that ability. I've always had large staffs in that area but they don't do 50 to 70 RFPs a year. They don't have some of the proprietary software that will help identify both on the contract side as well as just sometimes price itself and also about bringing other solutions. Sometimes to be a true partner, it's not necessarily just about reducing costs. It's about how they can bring and maybe save people money for the, you know, you have the same service, save them money, give them other options that maybe they weren't aware of. So I'm going to flip it the other complete other side of the dock here. So, so that's outbound and, and shipping. What about inbound where it never gets the love in our uh, field that it deserves, but yeah, probably the most important. Yeah. 
You are 100% right because it, it doesn't get the love and, and it should. You know, I mentioned before, it's great that a 3PL or a B2C provider is fulfilling everything at 99.5%. But if they only have a fill rate of 90%, they don't have things in stock, they're missing a key variable. So what I recommend for a number of my clients, as well as my past companies, is to align with a company that will measure your inbound performance. So it will measure fill rate. It will measure how many times they ship for that same location. At Kohl's, when I set it up, ultimately through a number of different initiatives, but this was one of the main ones, we were able to reduce our overall cycle time by about 25%. And it was really just giving our vendor partners better visibility up front. And again, it has to be proactive. So when something happens, so if the shipment was supposed to be in today, it's not coming back to them in three months and saying, oh, you were late. It's telling them tomorrow that we were expecting this shipment and we needed that shipment and here's what's going on. Help us help you. So I think the more companies do that up front, it will have the biggest impact. So you are 100% on that if you don't fix it up front, you're always going to be chasing your tail. And I think the difference is a company that looks at something myoptically or more globally is exactly what you said, Chad. They have to look at it up front. Yeah, it's, you know, different podcasts, uh, d- different. If you go into Modex, the majority of everything you find is some type of technology solution or automated solution for outbound order fulfillment. A lot of things are written about price as it relates to parcel. There's all sorts of content available to that, to a lesser degree, inventory management systems. But poor old inbound, I feel like is, you know, even with labor staffing shortages, people typically push that workload, make sure that the orders go out. And what gets suffered is on the inbound, which means escapes are coming into the building and, you know, we're not doing the due diligence and we just take in the shortage undetected. And so, I'm curious, do you have any experience of bringing automation in on the inbound side? Yeah, absolutely. So I've implemented systems, both at Kohl's, GNC, Pet Value. I also was part of getting it stood up at some other retailers, CVS, Petco. So there definitely is Giant Eagle. It's an opportunity that I think is overlooked way too often. And I would tell you that the difference as we look forward a couple years, those companies who are focusing now on the inbound are going to be so much further ahead than everyone else. Because the reality is large companies have different systems and have different tools. But sometimes the small, the medium, and emerging company may not have some of those metrics and those tools and those systems and that visibility because at the end of the day it's not about chargebacks it's not about being punitive it's about correcting it up front so that ultimately the customer will be able to come back to your site because you're in stock and somebody else isn't whatever we can do together on that i think that's huge will have a major major impact on the industry for years to come I'd be interested in partnering with you on something like that, Jay, because the vendor management process 
when you think about what really keeps you up at night, but the things that really hurt, you know, fulfillment operation, it's vendor compliance, it's lock control, it's FIFO, it's quarantined items, it's the fill rate that we didn't count correctly on the front end uh, or training that didn't exist. Those are all the problems that typically run through the four walls are all traceable back to the inbound where we just... Yeah. Well, it, it, and you know it works when you have different reporting that not is a supply chain reporting. It's something that we shared with our merchants and our president, and that became their report that they would use as they're sitting down with vendors and talking about additional orders. And we gave those people who were uh, had a certain level of compliance, there was additional benefits for them. So it was a win-win. We would process their goods faster. We would occasionally, based upon what a vendor had, what the terms were, could even pay them faster if they were compliant and it helped differentiate. But the biggest thing it really did is those vendors who were in stock, okay, but we didn't have to chase, they were receiving more orders automatically. And so it really is a win-win. So when it can be a benefit for everybody involved, that's when it's going to be monumental. That's when it's going to change and be transformational. That's how, again, as I mentioned, you know, we reduced our supply chain days by 25%. You know, and at the time, Kohl's was going through, the third time I was there, we were going through a lot of growth and expansion. We went from roughly $7 billion to $16 billion in six years. And the ability to have our supply chain be nimble, the ability to have accountability with our vendors, the ability to put in technology and systems was tadamant for us to make some of those changes. Was there any examples on the inbound side like at Kohl's, for an example, that you ended up in, was it a whole like vendor compliance program that you really yeah. just implemented? It was, but then it also became more than that. It became a, a vendor certification process. So, you know, we, we really kind of did it from cradle to grave. And so it wasn't just once they shipped us, it was, we had the ability because we were working with them to really I guess, make it really holistic from ground to until it was shipped out to our, our customers and whether it was B2C or even our stores. But again, the biggest growth for Kohl's at the time, okay, and continues is e-com. And, you know, that's really where they saw the biggest growth. And as, as the merchants would say and told me that this is really one of those monumental things that changed their ability to be better merchants and provide better service to the end customer. And I guess that's to your earlier point when you're selecting a 3PL partner, I guess it's kind of goes with the, you know, the additional value added services, even right. though you, you could argue that it's, it should be part of the core offering, but it isn't always. But it could be something again, that helps differentiate a 3PL yeah. from someone else. A and, strong merchant yeah. program. Yeah. Right, exactly. But yeah, you know, I, I think you know when you when you look at it, and I think you're you're spot on that everyone is focusing on the last piece of it. Okay, and we're missing the big piece of it because without inventory, without having the right product, you know, we're, again, we're 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 supply chain people. We'll become efficient. We'll become more accurate. We'll become more 
cost competitive. Okay, but if we don't have it, you can't ship it. This episode is sponsored by Amware Fulfillment. Amware is a third-party fulfillment company that provides pick, pack, and ship services to established direct-to-consumer brands. With fulfillment centers in every region of the U.S., Amware supports one- to two-day ground delivery to 95% of the country. In short, Amware takes care of everything after the click. Learn more at AmwareFulfillment.com. Yeah, it's everything you hear about. It's final mile, it's two-day delivery, one-day delivery transit times, it's outbound order fulfillment, plethora of, of different technologies and solutions to help with that high-volume outbound B2C fulfillment. But the inbound, it, it, it really does begin there. Returning back to the basics, I think, is is where I find the opportunity to be in today's environment, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jay, I appreciate the time today. I really do. Where can our listeners go to get in touch with you and to just know a little bit more about SLB? Well, again, thanks for the opportunity. Really enjoyed our time. Time goes by quickly. Again, a number of different areas, but one would be www.slbperformance.com or on LinkedIn. I'm happy to talk to any of your listeners. Again, my job and my focus, my passion is to help companies go from good to great or sometimes go from poor to good. And most of my background has really been turnaround and growth. So love the opportunity to talk to you. Love the opportunity to talk to your listeners. Again, big, big fan. And thank you for what you do. Look forward to uh, coming back to the show sometime in the future. We can talk about all the successes that we, we were able to do together. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more to share in the Power BI for you. Jay, thanks, man. I love it. Appreciate it. This concludes our uh, episode of Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. Stay safe, everyone. 